Family-owned and operated, Shepherd's Crook Coffee is responsibly sourced and air-roasted in micro-batches to provide coffee lovers with a less acidic, smoother coffee experience. Just in time for the holidays, Shepherd's Crook Coffee's holiday blend has subtle notes of vanilla and sugar plum. There's a Crafted with Love sampler pack that's a perfect gift, or give the gift that keeps on giving with a bi-weekly or monthly subscription plan. Check out shepherdscrookcoffee.com and enter discount code Heidi for 25% off your order. Shepherd's Crook Coffee, crafted with love. Hi, you guys. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found the Off the Bench podcast. Today's Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to answer some questions from listeners. We're going to talk a little bit today about social emotional learning and answer a question from a burned out homeschool mom. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. Well, happy Monday to you as we round the corner coming into the Thanksgiving holiday this weekend. I hope you guys have that turkey out of your freezer for goodness sake. Take it out, take it out, take it out. Uh, You want to make sure that thing is thawed and ready to go for the Thanksgiving holiday that's coming up in just a couple of days. Also, we wanted to let you know that we are getting ready over here to display your Christmas cards. This is the time of year that I love to get snail mail from you. And you can reach out to me, Heidi St. John, Care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington. Yes, I still live here, 98682. And also, uh, we just love hearing from you. So we display your Christmas cards and there are literally uh, hundreds and hundreds of families who see those cards. And we put them up where uh, kids can see them and read them. So send us your pictures. If you are blessed by this ministry and by the podcast in particular, you can support it financially and you can give a tax deductible gift to Firmly Planted Family. And if you want to include that with a Christmas card, we would be very appreciative of that as well. All right. Today's Mailbox Monday. And as you guys know, and I've been doing this for a long time, today is the day that I answer your questions on the show. If you would like to have your question addressed here, just shoot me a message to Heidi St. John forward slash mailbox Monday, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. You'll see a form come up and that is where you can submit your question. All right. First one comes from Tennessee. This is an anonymous listener and she says, hey, Heidi, what is your opinion on social emotional learning? I live in Tennessee and it appears to be a requirement in the public schools. Many of my friends say our schools are fine, but the more I learn about SEL, the more I come to believe that they are not fine. Maybe you could do a deep dive into this subject for an episode as I would love to learn more. All right, so Anonymous, first thing you need to know is that I have talked for a very long time about SEL, social emotional learning, which is an absolute nightmare for our children. It's a nightmare in the public schools. It's a nightmare for parents because essentially what they're doing is they're taking away your child's boundaries. That's the whole point of SEL, social emotional learning, and it is in almost every public school in the nation. I want to read a definition, which I loved, and I'm going to link back to in the show notes today. Social emotional learning takes over the role of the family, controls the children's emotions, values, attitudes, and beliefs, and is embedded in academics. It trains children how they must think and act consistently with the woke agenda and the religion of social justice. Social emotional learning has been in our schools for quite some time. And I sort of outed it several years ago 
because it was being presented in our school district and they wanted, of course, more levy money. Remember when you see levies come in and bonds, people get confused by that because the public schools are always asking for more money. Bonds are for buildings. Levies are for learning. And so social emotional learning falls under the levy category. And so a lot of you will see, you know, your school's asking for levy money. They want, they need more money for their academic programs. And many of these are SEL, social emotional learning um, programs. And so I said that this is a Trojan horse in woke education. And there are lots and lots of places where you guys can find information on social emotional learning. But what they're essentially doing is telling kids, you don't need to think. You need to feel this is very much geared toward manipulating your child's emotions. You will see lesson plans about social identity, cultural competency. And the idea is that it just obliterates the personal boundaries of children in order to break down your kids emotionally and then build them back up as social justice activists. The process involves forging emotional bonds to influence children to become political protégés of their teachers and peers that emotionally manipulated them. They adopt leftist mindsets and behaviors, and this becomes an act of loyalty to a collective identity that's prioritized over individual human value. When you guys hear the collective, it should strike a tone with you in your heart and you recognize that as socialism, right? Socialism, Marxism, they care about the collective as uh, as individuals, which is what we have valued in this country for generations. The value of the individual is demeaned and the collective is what is promoted in social emotional learning. And there are a lot of implications for this as it relates to the woke agenda. SEL uses a culturally responsive framework, which has been coined by critical race theorist Gloria Billings. Uh, This is what she said. Culturally responsive teaching requires, quote, students to develop a critical consciousness through which they challenge the status quo of the current social order through focus on variety of so-called competencies ready to be developed in children. However, this framework leads to their manipulation. The five competencies framework of SEL was pioneered by the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning. This goes by the acronym CASEL, C-A-S-E-L. And you're going to, if you just do a little bit of homework on CASEL, You guys are going to find that this is a nightmare organization that is absolutely hell-bent on the emotional manipulation of your children. So SEL's framework, pioneered by CASEL, one of the leading outfits that promotes social-emotional learning and also critical race theory and comprehensive sex education. CASEL's five competencies are, and I'm going to list them for you, self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, and social Awareness. Now, you are like, well, Heidi, what's wrong with that? Because at first glance, this seems harmless and it even seems desirable, but it's not. There are many individual social emotional learning programs, such as the Leader in Me, which I've talked about on the show many times, and Second Step, which follow Castle's framework. SEL programs that use Castle's framework and guidance are used in all 50 states. So, for those of you who are listening to me who are like, that's not in my school, Heidi. I keep telling you, and I'm going to do it until I don't have breath in my body anymore. It is in your child's public school. It absolutely is. While self-awareness and self-management are essential for children as they grow and mature, Castle's goal, as it defines these competencies, is to transform children's perception of identity onto left-wing frameworks. 
And when we talk about left-wing frameworks, we're talking about intersectionality, which focuses on discrimination and privilege. And so if we were to compare the teaching of critical theory with cooking, SEL is a way of arranging and presenting the prepared meal. So this manipulation can be fostered through SEL lessons like My Many Identities, which I'll link back to in the show notes for you guys to look at. And this comes from another organization called Welcoming Schools. A review of the materials makes it clear that the objectives of this particular lesson, My Many Identities, and again, I'll link back to this in the show notes for you guys. Here's here's the, uh, the objectives. One, to see how a person has multiple identities that make up who they are. Two, to look at how different identities can shape the person, uh, the way a person experiences the world. And three, to focus on how these different identities can shape the way a person may be seen or treated by others. This lesson is only one example of the indoctrination methods that SEL proponents use. There are hundreds of SEL lessons and resources a school could choose from. This particular lesson on their website might not be used, but if a school uses SEL materials and they've been approved by CASEL, there are similar lessons and resources at use. And it's important for parents to kind of understand that this is building what you could call. So you guys have heard me talk about the social score that they're giving people in uh, China right now. This is kind of the same thing, only it's in your schools. It starts in kindergarten. They're doing what they call building a woke social credit foundation. And this is one of the most alarming parts of SEL in its potential in establishing an American social credit system through how? Data collection. So through SEL, I promise you, they are data mining your children. Many school districts have implemented SEL with various grants, such as the Lilly Endowment and the Comprehensive Counseling Initiative in Indiana, which requires the collection of SEL-related data in exchange for funding. SEL programs in Castle also highly encourage the use of assessments to measure and advance student progress. When schools adopt an SEL program, most begin collecting massive amounts of mental health data on children through mental health surveys created and interpreted by third-party for-profit firms such as Panorama Education. This data is then interpreted through a so-called equity lens, meaning The results are interpreted through the critical race theory viewpoint and usually indicate the need for a, quote, fix to some assumed systemic oppression within the school system. For example, if a school receives data from a survey showing 30 percent of students don't feel like they belong at school, the school can then respond by uh, starting gender identity clubs. The data collected follows the children. I hope you guys are listening. The data that's being collected is following your child and can be displayed through uh, dashboards to set goals for individual student improvement. Statewide longitudinal databases are used to track children and their mastery of SEL competencies, which SEL proponents are beginning to call employability skills. Is anything ringing a bell yet? The woke regime of federal, state, and local government bureaucrats contributes by using tax dollars to transform K-12 through education into a system that will be used to measure employability in the future through a woke lens. Corporate employers will eventually be the enforcers of this regime propaganda. Now, I think the country is starting to wake up to the dangers of critical race theory and other woke ideologies, but reformers have got to recognize SEL's role as their delivery mechanisms and dismantle it. 
I've been speaking out about SEL. You guys can Google. In fact, I'll link back to them in the show notes today, but you can Google more episodes. I have brought guests on to talk about the dangers of social emotional learning. This is cultural Marxism. And we need to understand how it functions because we will be better prepared to identify later attempts to reroute the delivery of critical race theory teaching in our schools if we understand the basis for social emotional learning. All right, I'm going to continue answering your questions today. Lindsay in Arizona, she said, Heidi, what do I do when homeschooling doesn't go as planned? This is our first year of homeschooling and we are needing to go on hiatus. I'm not sure how long due to a medical emergency with my pregnancy. I will be in the hospital until our new baby is born, which will be sometime in the next three months. What do you do when homeschooling doesn't go as planned? Well, here you go, Lindsay. What do you do when anything doesn't go as planned? You adjust. And that's what you need to do with your homeschooling. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I've probably shared it here at the show before, so I don't want to bore anybody. But years and years ago, when our now 23-year-old son was a newborn, I was on bed rest. So I was on bed rest with him before he was born. And then the delivery was uh, did not go as we hoped it would. And so I ended up on bed rest for a couple more months. This was the year that I had discovered uh, the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling. This was the year that I was going to do all these amazing things with our kids. This was the year that we were going to go on field trips and I was going to be the best homeschool mom ever on the planet. And nothing went like I wanted it to go. And in fact, my husband started taking the little red wagon that I had been taking down to the library with our kids and they were bringing books back for me and I would read stories to the kids on my bed. Now, keep in mind, Spencer was our number four child. So I had three children at that time that I was homeschooling. A couple of a couple of our kids were in elementary school and I was feeling like the biggest failure on the face of the earth because I wasn't doing consistent math lessons with them every day. I wasn't teaching out of our grammar workbooks like I wanted to. I wasn't going on field trips. Instead, I was exhausted and it was all I could do just to read to the kids. And so we read stories about a hermit crab named Pagu. We read uh, missionary stories. I did math stories with my kids. That was the year that we learned about um, teaching them their math facts by way of rhyming and using a jump rope out in the hallway to get our math facts memorized because I just could not do what I would normally do. Here's the kicker. So I'm at home feeling like the worst homeschool mom ever because I'm relatively new at this homeschool thing. It's not going the way I wanted it to go. I feel like I'm failing. I feel like, you know, uh, my kids are going to be, you know, scarred for life. And at the end of that year, so in Washington state, the law requires that homeschool kids take a standardized test every year. Now, well, first of all, it's a dumb law, but the the state doesn't really do anything with it. And I have come to appreciate it because it gives me a little bit of a measure of how well my kids are doing. Well, this particular year, because I'm so new at homeschooling, I don't trust that my kids are actually learning simply because I'm not doing what I thought was a prescribed method for teaching my children. I just simply could not do it because of the pregnancy and the complications of the childbirth. And so at the end of the, the school year, I think it was probably May, I took my kids down to the, to the church, which is where uh, we had their, their tests were proctored, right? So the, the test was administered. And I remember just dropping my kids off and going down to the store and just waiting for the kids to finish their test. And the whole time I'm pushing my little baby around the store, I'm thinking, this is going to be the worst thing ever. I'm going to get a test result back and my kids are going to be failing in math and reading. 
And I waited for about a month and a half for those test results to come back. Now, I hope you're leaning in, Lindsay, because it's important. When those test scores came back, God taught me a very important lesson. If I will do what I said I would do, and I will give it everything I have, and the best that I had at that, that time was to be able just to sit with my kids and read in bed or read on the couch, or everywhere we were just reading all the time. And sometimes my kids were reading to me, and sometimes I was reading to them. But I learned that if I will do my part, God does his. And that God is the one who will finish in my children what he has begun in them through me. And that year when my kids' test results came back, they tested on average all three of my kids. Not one, not two, but three grade levels above where they were supposed to be. And I felt like the Lord of Heaven's armies was like, are you okay now? Are you okay? Because what you're doing in homeschooling your children is so much more than you recognize right now. And God is going to give you what you need and he's going to give your children what you need. So when you, when we come into those seasons of life where we hit a speed bump or something happens that we didn't expect, you know, Jay and I uh, had a miscarriage. I think it was um, shortly after we moved to Northern Washington state. And again, it just, it threw me for a loop for a couple of weeks. I just, a month even, I just was struggling with my emotions. I was struggling with how I was feeling. I felt like a failure. And the Lord has proven himself to be so faithful over the ups and downs of our life in homeschooling for many, many years now. So I want you to be encouraged that even though you've hit a snag, what feels like a snag in the road to you, God is going to provide in amazing, remarkable, and even miraculous ways for your kids. So um, lean into your friends for help, but don't worry if all you guys get to do with your kids is um, have them do leaf rubbings and you're reading stories to them or your husband or your grandparents are reading stories to your kids. God is going to finish in your kids what he started in them through you. And I know you're going to come out on the other side of this with stories of God's faithfulness. What I don't want you to do is panic and put your kids back in the public school system. Please don't do that. I want to read a couple of podcast reviews that have come in that the staff has given to me off of Apple Podcasts. Uh, This person said, Heidi, thank you for your show. It is truthful, biblical, and consistent. Thank you. And this person said, Heidi tells it like it is with a laugh. I enjoy her honesty and forthrightness. Keep up the truth, Heidi. Your honesty and guest speakers are worth listening to. Thank you. I appreciate that, you guys. Uh, We've got several people writing in and leaving reviews and comments on our midterms. This one came in to my show that was entitled The Red Trickle Conservatives Fumble the Ball in the midterm elections. This one came in from Joe Sherwood. He said, hi, Heidi, sorry that you didn't win. I would have preferred you, but maybe next time. Keep going. We are listening. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys for listening on YouTube as well. Bartley Burke wrote in and said, St. Joseph County, Indiana, where I live, elected a Republican County Council for the first time ever. We require voter ID in our state. Iowa has become solidly red under Governor Kim Reynolds, who defied the COVID lockdowns. Iowa voted for Obama twice, but has flipped red. There are some bright spots. Thank you. I want to hear about all the bright spots that we possibly can. Uh, Jim Cushman wrote in and said the Republican focus on Trump, Trump, Trump moves those who dislike him away from our party. There are so many more issues that the party needs to focus on. Abortion, the third light rail. Uh, The economy, our borders, energy independence, states' rights. We cannot focus only on Trump. The church needs to stand on the Bible and the word of God and the one true never-changing truth. 
way to stand and wave the flag, Heidi, that must be waved. This part of your country is going to move forward in the right direction. Thank you, Jim, for sending that comment in. You guys, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your comments. You can leave them on the videos of this podcast over at uh, YouTube, or you can just go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review there if you like the show and leave a comment and we may read it on the air. We really appreciate you guys writing in and sharing this podcast with your friends and neighbors. I hope that you're encouraged by what we bring to the show every single day, five days a week here at the Off the Bench podcast. And again, we want to hear from you. Love to hear your show ideas. And we want to say thank you to everyone who is visiting the sponsors of the Off the Bench podcast. These are the people who are really helping us keep this show on the air five days a week and keep the staff and the uh, the rest of the team here going strong. So we really appreciate that. If you guys are interested in having me speak to you, to your group in 2023, we'd love to hear from you. Simply go to HeidiStJohn.com, click on the speakers tab, and someone will get back to you. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. And I'll answer more of your questions right here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.